If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn to Hebrews 12, 22-28. Remember, um, all the scriptures that I'll refer to will be on the, um, on the screen. Uh, and so you'll be able to look at them, and I'll be moving too fast for you to turn to them. But um, it's important that we not only hear the word, but see the word. And uh, helps us to retain what Holy Spirit uh, is saying to us. You know, uh, David preached for us last Sunday and did a wonderful job. God used him. And so I, I wasn't thinking about what I'd be preparing for a message. And, but Monday, Monday, I, um, the Holy Spirit turned my attention to two verses in the book of Hebrews. And immediately, I knew that uh, those were the scriptures that I was supposed to preach on this morning. And so I said, man, I, I'm getting an early start. So I began to think and to pray about those two scriptures. So I'm going to read verses 27 through 29 of Hebrews 12. I'm not going to start with 28. But I want you to listen to what it says about things being shaken. It says in verse 27, Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are shaken as of the things that are made. Now, don't miss that. Everything temporary, everything that finds its origin and fulfillment in the hands of man, eternal things cannot be shaken. Only temporal things can be shaken. So it says there, now yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, things that are made, listen, that the things which are not shaken, the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, there are things of human origin, they're all going to be shaken and removed. There are eternal things that cannot be shaken And they will remain. So things will either be removed or they will remain. Well, I begin to think about uh, things that was being shaken. And I begin to, to, to think about how that the world in general is shaken by fear and by terror. Uh, It's not just in America. It's France, it's Belgium, it's Africa, it's Asia. No safe place, no quote, unquote, safe zone. And so this world is really being shaken by fear as a result of terror. Well, when the Lord began to speak this to me, I thought, of course, about the terrorist attack in Paris But then on the next day, Tuesday, we have the terrorist attack in California. I said, man, everything's being shaken. It's all been shaken. 
You know, that's the worst terrorist attack since 9-11. Oh, there have been other mass shootings, but they were not related to terror. This was an attack by a radical Islamic terrorist, two individuals who were in touch with terrorists around the world. And they chose what people call a soft zone, easy to get into, went in there, shot and killed 14 people, wounded 21 others, and would have done more to the bomb that they had attached to the little car that didn't go off. Who knows how many ultimately they would end up killing. And so once again, uh, there was a shaking. And that was all that was on the news. So really, we're living in a world that is, been sh- that is being shaken by terror and by fear. Now, 1227 says that there are things that can be shaken that are temporal, the creation of man, and they will be removed. You know, there are two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of man with a little K, and there's the kingdom of God with a big K. Everything in the kingdom of man can be shaken and will be shaken and will be removed. That's what the Bible says. Now, I was thinking about man's kingdom. Three ideologies have risen in my lifetime that have basically destroyed the fabric of a once Christian nation. There has risen the ideology of humanism. 25 years ago, we were preaching against it, quoting from Humanist Manifesto 1 and 2, had overtaken our colleges and universities. Even we went to court against a, a, a gentleman named Jaffrey, was trying to keep praying and Bible out of the schools in Mobile. And there was a case before the court about humanism, and Judge Han, who was the judge, ruled that humanism was a religion. We won the case, but it was overthrown by the appeals court. The basic philosophy of humanism, no deity will save us. We must save ourselves. It's atheistic, atheistic. It joins hands with the American Civil Liberties Union and every other organization related to it, and it's atheistic, and that has permeated our society. Let me tell you something. It's being shaken right now because all that man can do is being shaken and man doesn't have the answers. They have no answers. And then we went from humanism to secularism and secularism where is we remove all form of God or, and I don't like the word religion, some religion needs to be, uh, uh, I'm not going to say that. But anyway, I'm not talking about religion. But uh, secularism is just removal of God from human society. And everything is secularistic. And so it's another arm of humanism. So we, we're, we've become a secular nation. You know, they're not going to put Christmas on the, some of the, the mall things, you know. They're not going to put mangers. See, even the malls, they call it holiday. Well, that ain't bad. Do you know what holiday means? A holy day. That's what a holiday is. It's a holy day. But you see, that's secularism. 
Joined hands with humanism. By the way, humanism's being shaken. Men have no answer for what's going on. And secularism is being shaken. It's being shaken, I'm telling you. And everything that's of man's kingdom will be shaken and will one day be removed. And then the third, the course, the, the third ism that needs to be a wasm. The third ism is uh, socialism, where all the wealth, you, you, you disperse the wealth, and uh, everybody has the same amount of money, takes away any motivation to work or to try to succeed, and it all goes back, and the only one that has any money is the government, and they give it who they want to, and they control you by that. That's called socialism. Well, we've rapidly moved down that road, haven't we? But guess what? It's going to be shaken. It's being shaken. And so all of, all of man's kingdom is being shaken. It is proven to be a total failure, a total failure. It cannot solve the problems of the human heart. It cannot correct the, 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 the wickedness of the human race. And all of man's kingdom is, is being shaken. And, buddy, I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. It is really going to be shaken. But, you see, man's kingdom forgets one thing. Jeremiah 17, 9. They forget that. And if you don't understand this, you'll never understand ISIS. You'll never understand Boko Haram. You'll never understand Al-Qaeda. You'll never understand two terrorists in San Benito, California. If you don't understand this, you'll never understand what's going on. And it says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You cannot uneducate a wicked heart. You can't do that. And so what's happening is the desperately wicked heart of man is committing atrocities every day, anywhere from terror to abortion, every day, every day. And we're saying, well, man, the heart is deceitful of all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it, and and God's people need to know it. You know the problem with the war against terror? And I'm not going to spend much time on this. I'm moving on to something better. Is it, what's the difference between the war on terror than World War I, World War II, Korea, and these other wars? We knew who the enemy was. We knew where the battlefield was. We knew how to plan an attack and to fight, like when D-Day and all those things. But that, that, those were wars who we knew who the enemy was, where to fight it, how to win it. Hey, now. And it was confined to certain countries. But now, oh, no. It's in every country. The war on terror is every country. You really don't know who the enemy is, quote, is, quote, as far as where he is and what he's planning. It's totally different, see. It's not confined to one country or one place. It's all over the world. It's in every country. And it, and it is basically a religious war is what it is, basically. And so the thing about it is, it may be next door to you. We know for a fact that the FBI is investigating 990 terror cells in America today. And there's some that are under 24-hour surveillance. And the thing about these two p- terrorists in uh, San Bernardino is they weren't even on the radar. They were, uh, the, the FBI had no record of it. They'd missed it because they were communicating with terrorists. But it just shows you that what makes this different is 
It's not confined to any country, to any particular battlefield. The whole world is a battlefield, and you never know when the enemy is going to strike. And the reason of it all is to create fear and chaos. That's it. And it has. And so we see the kingdom of man. It's falling apart. There's no answer for for the war on terror. I understand that the president's going to go on TV tonight to talk about terrorists. I ain't going to watch it. I've heard enough lies. So I'm simply saying that there are two kingdoms, but I want to give you a great promise now, and this is what I want to preach on. It says in the 28th verse of Hebrews, we we are receiving a kingdom. Now, the kingdom of man is being shaken. And if you think the war on terror is going to be stopped anytime soon by any means, there's no way. There's no way. Uh, unless Jesus comes back. That wouldn't be bad. That'd be real good. So you've you got to understand it's something we're going to live with in our lifetime. You can't wipe it all out. You just can't do it. And, and so, but we, we've got to focus on the kingdom that we're in that cannot be shaken. Because see, if you know which kingdom you're in and you're living in that kingdom, you will not live in fear. You will not. You will absolutely, in the midst of chaos and terror, have peace and understand who God is and that God is in control. So let's look at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It says in verse 28, But we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. All right, we're receiving it. Therefore, let us serve God acceptably. With reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The kingdom of God. That's the kingdom we live in. We're in this world where the kingdom of men are doing what they did in the days of Noah. Every imagination rising before God is wicked. So we're living in the days of Noah. But now here we are. We're living on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection. We know Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. We understand the kingdom of God. And so we're living in a different kingdom. And by the way, you know what Jesus told us to do? He told us to pray for his kingdom to come. He said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's the next thing? Your kingdom come. So we're praying for the kingdom of God to come in our hearts. And by the way, the kingdom of God is not necessarily a king and a ruler. We have a king. His name is Jesus. But the kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of men. Did you hear what I just said? The kingdom of God is personal. It is the rule of God in the hearts of men and women. When God is king in your life, you are in his kingdom. And when Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, wait a minute, on earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. 
And so we're to pray for the kingdom of God, the rule of God, to come to pass in the hearts of men and women. That is to be our prayer. And we realize that we are receiving a kingdom from God that cannot be shaken. It is eternal. Now, I want to say five five things about this kingdom. And they relate to every one of us. This kingdom that is coming, we're receiving now in the midst of the collapse of an earthly kingdom. The kingdom of God, the rule of heart and the, God's, uh, the rule of God in the hearts of men through faith in Jesus Christ, it is a kingdom of faith and not of fear. Hey, this is what excites me. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith, and it is not a kingdom of fear. Totally opposite. And you know, the beautiful thing is, as a child of God, as a new creation in Christ, we're in God's kingdom, and so therefore we're people of faith and not people of fear. That's who we are. Fear is out of character for a child of God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at that for a moment. It says in the first verse, That faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith gives substance to what we hope for in the kingdom of God. And then this this helped me. You know, um, it's kind of hard to get a hold on faith. What is it? Do I have enough faith? Have I got enough faith Not to be afraid. But I just noticed how he started talking about faith. First person he talked about was Abel. In in chapter um, 11, he said, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. All right, now I want to tell you what Abel's faith was. God spoke to Abel, the word of God. God said, I don't want a sacrifice of vegetables or fruit of the ground. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The wages of sin is death. He said, now, Abel, don't you bring to me the fruit of the land. You bring to me a sacrifice, a lamb or whatever it was. And so Abraham knew God. God spoke to to Abel, knew God. God spoke to Abel. And Abel obeyed God and offered the sacrifice that God told him to offer. offer. And the Bible says he being dead still speaks. So now I see a pattern for faith. God speaks to us through his word. Let me give you a verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God spoke to Abel. Abel believed God. That was faith. Abel obeyed God. That was faith. And therefore, he pleased God. Faith is knowing God, hearing God's word, believing it, and obeying it. All right, it goes on again. It says Enoch. By faith, Enoch. It says here, by faith, Enoch was taken away that he did not see death. because God took him. And he said, he had this testimony, he pleased God. So Enoch knew God, heard God's word, believed it, obeyed it, lived in faith, 
God took him to heaven. All right, look on down to verse 7. Noah. Now, you want to see an example of faith. It says, by faith, Noah built an ark. And it was a massive, a massive, massive thing to do. It took him 100 years to do it. God gave him exact details how to build it so it wouldn't leak. Pitch and tar and all that stuff. But, but what, what was Noah's faith? He knew God in the midst of a wicked world. God spoke to him. He believed God. He obeyed what God said. Well, that was faith. So it's knowing God, believing what God has said in his word, and obeying it. You know, it's not just, well, I believe. Well, if you believe, it'll be seen in the way you obey. Faith is tied to obedience. Now look at verse 6. It says of Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay. So now what we've got to do is this. We have to know God through Jesus. We have to know what God says. We have to believe it, and we have to obey it. That's faith. And, of course, Abraham was the same way. And so I'm saying that um, we're a people of faith, an absolute people of faith. We know what God's, we know God. We know what God says. We believe what God says. We act on it. We obey on it. And we don't live in fear because we know God and know his promises. And I'm going to talk to you about a couple of those in a few minutes. But let me tell you about the kingdom of man. Let, no, let me go before. I'm not going to go there. Let, let me talk to you about how we're people of faith and not fear. I want to give you a few scriptures. You just believe this, and you, you, you're not going to be afraid. You know, because there are things that you can't control. All right, let, let's think about uh, Psalm 91, verses 1 through 5. Now, this is the great psalm against fear. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he knows God, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We go on in verse 2. They will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Boy, that's a pretty good refuge. He's my fortress. Boy, that's a pretty good fortress. He's my God, my refuge, my fortress. In him will I trust. I'm in his kingdom. Then you go on to the next verse. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And then he goes on and says in the next verse, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be, wait a minute, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And he goes on in the next verse and says, You will not, boy, I love this. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. We're people of faith. We're not people of fear. No. We know what God's Word said. We know God. We believe God's Word. And so forth, therefore, we act on it and obey it. And so we don't live in fear. We, we, God is our fortress, our refuge, a very present help in trouble. Boy, I love this. Psalm 56, 
3 and 4. It just talks about we're people of faith and not of fear. Whenever I am afraid, and so the devil tries to put fear in our heart. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. That's, that's good. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. What part of that do we not understand? And then you've got another verse, verse 11. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then there's a great one to show you how we're people of faith and not of fear. Because you take away the fear that these terrorists do, and, and, and you rob them of their greatest weapon. What does it say in Hebrews 13, 5, and 6? It, it says, boy, it's, it's, it's just a great promise. I saw this. I said, man, it says in verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with what things as you have. Now, this is the word of God. We get faith from the word of God. We know God. We know his word. We believe it and obey it. He said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, what are we going to say? When everybody else says, my heaven, what in the world are we going to do? What in the world are we going to do? Look what happened in California. It could happen in Alabama. It could happen. What in the world are we going to do? Here's what he says. We will boldly say, well, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. What part of that do we not understand? Praise God. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith. And it is not of fear. And so therefore, we know God. We know him through Jesus. We believe him. We trust him. We know his word. We act on his word. And we do not live in fear. All right, here's the second thing about the kingdom of God. It is, not, it is a kingdom of faith and not of fear. And by the way, the only kingdom that cannot be removed, the only kingdom that cannot be shaken, the only kingdom that cannot be removed is the kingdom of God. That's the only kingdom that will remain. That's all that's going to remain. All right, so it is a kingdom of faith and not of fear. Here it is, the second thing. It is a kingdom of truth and not of lies. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of truth and not of lies. John 1, 14, when Jesus came into the world, right there at that first Christmas time, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, the glory, and, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Father full of grace and, say it, truth. Jesus came into this world, and he's full of the grace of God, and he's truth. He is full of grace and truth. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of truth and not lies. And then we look also in verse uh, 17. It says again, for the law was given through Moses. It came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Well, it was just Jesus who said over in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we both may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. See, Jesus is truth. 
And it says here in verse 17, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Then John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, there's a fly. I have never had a fly. It's on my notes. Now, I don't know whether to hit it or to, I'm going to scare him. Now, get out of here. I have never had that happen in my life. He's gone. But anyway, Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. He said, I'm the truth. Everything, you, you want to know the truth, look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Believe what he said. Don't believe what the news says. Don't believe what the terrorists say. Don't believe what this kingdom of men say. They're so confused, I'm telling you. The Bible says they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We've never been smarter intellectually, but never been further from God than we are right now. We trust in our intellect. It is the kingdom of truth. I am the truth, Jesus said. In John 8, 31 and 32, listen to what Jesus said. He said, uh, Jesus spoke to those who believed him. If you abide in me, if you abide in my words, you're my disciples indeed. Now look at the next verse. And you will know the truth. Oh, if you know the truth, you're in a good place. Oh, that's a good place to be. Man, it's a good place to be. This world is so full of lies, and you shall know the truth. If you abide in my word, if you know what I've said, if you know me and you know what I've said, you'll know the truth, and it'll set you free. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. It is the truth in Jesus that we know and believe that sets us free. So the kingdom of God is, not, is a kingdom of truth and not of lies. Now, I want to say this. I want you to listen carefully. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Go home and read it. Jesus speaks about marriage. He speaks about murder. He speaks about every area of life. He speaks in Matthew 5, the, uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus covers almost every area you'll ever face in your life. I challenge you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But at the end of chapter 7, now we're talking about what can't be shaken. Listen to what Jesus said. Boy, I'm telling you, it's a kingdom of truth. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, the truth. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hey, there's fiction to come a shaking. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. Man, that's a shaking. And beat on that house and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock of truth. And everything that's not founded on truth is a lie and it will be removed, crumbled, and exposed. But listen to the rest of that. He said, now if you hear these things of mine and you don't do it, you're a foolish man who built your house on the sand. It's going to be shaken. You didn't believe what I told you. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it fell. That's exactly what's happening to the earthly kingdom now. It's exactly. Disarray. 
They built it on something other than the Word of God, and it can't stand. So it's a kingdom of truth. It's a kingdom of faith and not fear. It's a kingdom of truth and not lies. All i got to say to you is this earthly kingdom is a kingdom of lies. All right, John 8, 44 is all I need to read to you. I'm, I could, let me just show you this whole earthly kingdom. Jesus said to those religious Pharisees, who did not know the truth, who made up their own truth. They made up a religion to fit them. It says, you are of your father, the devil. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Jesus was not politically correct. You know what broke my heart? We've been brainwashed. The lady who lived next door to to the two radical uh, Muslim extremists, so all the activity of all these packages being delivered. And she became concerned that something was wrong. And she got close to calling the authorities. But she said, now listen to this. I, would be, I was afraid that I would be accused of racial profiling. Because there were another race. Just think if she had said, you know, it ain't got nothing to do with race. There's a whole bunch of stuff going over there I don't understand. And I think I need to warn somebody. And there would probably be 14 people alive right now. But she had been brainwashed. And you know, boy, we, 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 we're so careful that everything has to be politically correct. Let me ask you something. Who defines politically correct? I don't know who defines it. I want to tell you one thing. This world system doesn't define it. I tell you what's politically correct. To call sin, sin. To say that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's politically correct. To say that any type of sexual activity outside of marriage is fornication. That's correct. Hey, you know what's politically correct? To say what the Bible says. This earthly king is faced on lies. Look what you of their father, the devil, the desires of your father will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Well, we know where all murder comes from. Cain killed Abel. My soul. He's a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of lies. And I want to tell you about this world system and all the media and all this junk that they put out there. Most of it is nothing but a bold, bold face lie. And Americans just take the lies in. Just take them in. And then their kingdom starts being shaken and terrorizes and fear. Listen, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of truth and not lies. Here's the third thing. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of life and not death. Now, I need to say this the right way. And I'm not trying to be politically correct, but I need to say it the right way. If a person takes the Koran and reads it and does exactly what it says, it's a pretty tough book because you're supposed to kill the infidels. And if you do so, then you have a special place in heaven. And there are people that read that and believe that. 
But let's say, let's say, I've got maybe five Muslim families in my community. They're spread all over Mobile. You see them when you go to the grocery store. You know, to say that every one of them is a radical Islamic terrorist, that, that would be incorrect. Most of them were born into the Muslim religion. They can't get out of it because if they do, their family kills them. I often wondered why people didn't leave a religion that was based on hate and based on fear and that offered no hope. Then I realized if you depart from it, they kill you. And the Muslim law says they can kill you. But while I say that, then if a person would follow the Koran to the T, then everybody would be a radical extremist. But... I I don't see it that way. But there are millions who who are radical extremists. And it is a religion. Well, it is their life. And the best thing they could do was die. So what we've got to understand is that basically at its root, it's a kingdom of death. And it advances its cause by by overtaking a land and killing the people who are not of that persuasion. And it's not just Christian and Jews. If you're the wrong kind of Muslim, they'll kill them. And they do all the time. So I'm saying, though, that our faith is all about life. Our faith is all about love. That's the kingdom of God is about life. And about love. The kingdom of man, especially the Hindus and the Muslims, and it is, it is a kingdom of hate and death. It is. And it's obvious. You know, I was thinking about, we hear about this, but some, some, some of our people go over to India and other places, and they teach the pastors And they all take a martyr's vow because they know when they leave that school, they're going back to a community. If the militant Hindus don't kill them, then the militant Muslims will kill them. And they all take a martyr's vow before they ever go out to preach. You see, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love and a kingdom of life. But the other religions are kingdoms of hate and kingdoms of death. And that's the conflict. You say, well, Brother Fred, you've been pretty, uh, you, you're not soft-selling it. Why, why, why would I? You say, you're, in tr- you're going to get in trouble. I've been in trouble. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, you've got to understand the ideology that we're fighting. That's why it's not going to go away. Here's the kingdom of God of life and love. And here's the other kingdom of man, which is of hate and, and, and murder and, and all that stuff. Hate and death. And they're, they're clashing. And they will till Jesus comes back. Hallelujah. And then it'll all be over. You say, you sound like for it, like for it to be over. I, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Somebody was telling me the other day. That uh, he wanted to know about that. He said, I'm waiting on the golden years. Have you heard that? He said, uh, they said the golden years are those later years in your life. He said, I think they're wrong. I think you don't get the golden years till you get into heaven and start walking on streets of gold. (laughs) 
I like that gold. It reminded me of that. Those will be the golden years. Walking on streets of gold. We'll be in a war till we get there. All right, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of life, love and life. The kingdom of man is a kingdom of death and hate. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and what? Have it more abundantly. It is a kingdom advanced by love, the love of Christ. And it has nothing to do with hate. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of life. He said in verse 27 of John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. All right, I've got only two more and I'm doing good. Here's the third one, fourth one. Okay, it's a kingdom of faith and not of fear. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It can't be shaken. It's a kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of faith and not of fear. It's a kingdom of truth and not of lies. It is a kingdom of love and life, not hate and death. Number four, it is a kingdom that is God-centered and not man-centered. The kingdom of God is God-centered. Your kingdom come, God. Not my kingdom, not man's kingdom. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It is a God-centered kingdom, and it is not man-centered. Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. I am telling you, the kingdom of God is God-centered. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I experience the salvation that is in Christ. It is a kingdom of it is a kingdom that is God-centered. Boy, I love this. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, listen. The kingdom of God is God-centered, and Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. He's the king of all kings. Listen to what it says. Therefore God has highly exalted him, given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Every, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess, here's the king, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. We're in God's kingdom. It's a kingdom that is God-centered. And Jesus is the king. And he is a glorious king. <laughs> and he's going to come back as the king of kings. We used to sing that song. I wish we'd start singing it more. The king is coming. The, I just heard the trumpet sounding. The king is coming. Well, come on. My, our, 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 our 
Our king, the kingdom of God, is all centered in the person of Jesus Christ. In him, he made the perfect sacrifice for our sin. God raised him from the dead, and he's alive with the power to wash our sins away, the power to live, to transform us into a new creation. I am telling you, the kingdom of God is God-centered, and Jesus is the king, and we find our hope, our rest, our peace, our salvation, our life in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The earthly kingdom's man-centered. Humanism. <laughs> no deity will save us. We must save ourselves. You're not doing a good job. That still ain't. No deity will save us. We must save ourselves. You are missing. You're messing up bad. Jesus is our Lord and our life. I want you to look at Psalm 118.8. You know what the Bible says? It warns people who trust in men. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Well, that's a pretty good verse, isn't it? I'm going to choose to trust God, not man. Then you got another verse, Psalm um, Jeremiah 17.5. It says, Thus saith the Lord, now get this, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, i got to read that again. That's why we're under such a curse in this nation. Thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man who who puts his trust in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. The kingdom of God is God-centered. The kingdom of man is man-centered. And here's the last one. All right, it's a kingdom of faith and not fear. It's a kingdom of truth and not lies. Can't be shaken. Kingdom of life and not life and love, not hate and death. It's a kingdom that's God-centered. Jesus is the king, not man-centered. Lastly, it is the kingdom where you serve God and not you don't live for yourself. Would you look at verse 28 of Hebrews 12? I, I like this. What are we doing in God's kingdom? We're serving God. Now look at it. Therefore, since we have a, are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. We need the grace of God to be saved, the grace of God to be sanctified and be holy, the grace of God to serve God. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, serve God acceptably with reverence we serve God and godly fear. God, give me grace to serve you, to serve you in your kingdom until you come. Give me the grace to serve you. We serve God. It says, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. In the kingdom of God, we're serving God. It's not about living for ourselves. We're serving God. But in the kingdom of man, it's all about man. Look, look what Psalm 1 verse, verses 4 through 6 says. Boy, this is strong. It says, now this is the kingdom of man. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. It goes on and says, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
For the Lord's kingdom, for the Lord's kingdom is a way of righteousness, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of serving God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, is a kingdom of serving self. And the Bible says it'll be like the chaff, which the wind just blows away. They are not so, the Bible says. Okay, there are two kingdoms. The earthly kingdom is being shaken right now, and it's being shaken by terror. There's no end to it. There's no end to it. There's no solution for it. Maybe we can do more than we're doing, but I'm telling you, there's no solution for it except to live in the kingdom of God. Just live in the kingdom of God. Now, in the kingdom of God, serve him, love him, love people, tell people about Jesus, tell them they can be forgiven, tell them they can have eternal life, tell them there's safety in the Son of God. There is. He's the one that said he was our fortress and our refuge. I mean, come on. He's the one that said that. The Bible says the name, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and those who run into it are safe. We didn't come to Jesus for safety because it cost us our life to follow Jesus. But I will say this to you. In the kingdom of God, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm so glad I'm saved. Are you glad you're saved? Are you glad you're in God's kingdom? I'd sure hate to be in the other one. And if you are, I want to encourage you to change kingdoms. Just change kingdoms, really. And let me tell you one thing. Don't be afraid. Man, don't be afraid. That's exactly what terrorists want you to do is be afraid. Uh-uh. Our God reigns. That's a good song, isn't it? I just, Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns, our God reigns. ISIS don't reign, ISIS don't reign, Al-Qaeda don't reign, they don't reign, they're going down the tube. <laughs> you say, well, Brother Fred, it ain't happened yet, but I have read the end of the book, and I know how it ends up, and God's still on the throne. And he's going, and listen, his kingdom, and, and at the end of the Lord's prayer, and says, for thine is the power and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. At the end of that prayer, it says, for yours is the kingdom, Lord, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Case closed.